Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Threepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. One, two, three, do it. Oh, Case on a deep drop, steps up in the pocket. He'll fire to the right side, caught by Diggs. Stay up, oh, and got loose. Oh my God! Thirty, no way! Touchdown! Are you kidding me? It's a Minneapolis miracle! All right, all right. Welcome on in to another edition of the Scolders Podcast. I'm your host Ed Broadmarkle. With me, as always. My compatriot, my cohort, partner in crime, Mike Anderson. How you doing today? Doing well. Get ready for some more snow. More snow coming this weekend. We're recording this Thursday, so uh, right before a lot of these moves are happening. And uh, we have a breaking one to release here in a couple minutes here, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, been a while since we've been on here, so let's talk a little bit about the Super Bowl before we get started. Um, Rams versus Patriots. Mike, what do you think about this game? Uh... What did I personally think, or what? What do you think the general public? I mean, what do you personally think? Uh, it was a little frustrating to watch. Okay. Um, just yeah, not a lot of scoring going on, obviously, uh, which is not something that I I thought was going to happen. I know that. Yeah, you felt like coming in this game like it was going to be a like yeah, a thirty to forty five game type I mean, thing. You know, the Vikings obviously went went into. Uh, the Rams this year, and and that was a shootout game. I don't I don't remember the final it was like 38-31. some yeah. So yeah. Uh, that was where like we thought whoever got the ball last was going to score. Patriots had put up a lot of points this year, and I just felt that yeah, it was set up to you know at least have both teams in the upper twenties, and 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 kind of felt like a 35-31 game going in. Uh, so I don't know, a little slower. I didn't mind it, I guess, but wasn't that exciting, right? For a Super Bowl, you, you maybe want a little well, bit more of the dramatic. You know, I, th- I think coming from a Vikings fan perspective, we've had such a solid defense for such a long time that we we see these games that are just like 3-3 at the halftime, and you're like, wow, okay, well, this is about the style we've seen for quite a while is these defensive battle games where your offense is putting the points, but your defense is just holding them to nothing. So, yeah, I, I think the average fan is probably disappointed a good bit with it like you said but Patriots win another one I guess because that's a thing and Tom Brady needs more jewelry so I guess here we are yeah I mean I I I was cheering for them over you know McVay and and, uh, I wanted the Rams win just because it's something different but yeah I guess not necessarily McVay but like I don't know the Marcus Peters and, and, and some of some of the other players they just I don't know I mean, yeah, I get that, you know. Yeah, I get get what you're going at there. But um, anyway, Super Bowl recap over. Let's get into 
some free agency. But we had some breaking news, Mike. What was your breaking news? We do. Uh, Case Keenum was just traded from the Broncos over to Washington. And uh, the Broncos are going to get a sixth-round pick from Washington in 2020. Washington gets the seventh in the same year. Uh, and Keenum uh, agreed to a contract uh, restructure. So he is going to get a 500K restructure bonus. And then each of the two teams are going to pay him $3.5 million this year. Sure. Uh, so he's taken a little over $10 million uh, bath, if you will, from what he made last year. But it sounds like he's also guaranteeing himself 500 k more than what the contract was presented for this year. So I think it, it sounds like maybe it was worked out to where everyone's in a good spot. Uh, obviously, Alex Smith, uh, with a horrific injury last year, I don't think is planning to play at all this year. So Washington definitely needed a quarterback. They get their guy. Keenum obviously looking to improve based on last year, and, and it, it sounds like a good situation for everyone. I'm not sure what uh, what that means for Denver at this point, obviously. Well, you know, with, with them trading for Joe Flacco, you know. Yeah. I, did, did we ever get conversation on that? Was there ever released conversation on that? Because uh, I know there was a deal in place to trade for him. I don't remember any picks coming to light with that. I don't know. I can, I can see what I can find here. Um, yeah, I just... I mean, is that the plan? You're going to roll with Flacco? Is that, it must be the plan, I suppose. Uh, I guess maybe they think that he can do similar things that uh, Peyton Manning did kind of in his twilight years. Um, you know, and I get it from from the perspective of Keenum. Like, I understand how magical 2017 was, but 2017 for, for Case Keenum was an outlier good year. He's had a lot of seasons where he's been um, mediocre, and this is about what I was expecting when he went to Denver. He w- wasn't going to be able to recapture that because a lot of things had to go right for that. A lot of situations had to be perfect for him to be in that situation. Um, and now you kind of see what Keenum is, and now you see them basically trading him away for almost nothing. And actually even less than that because they're they're getting rid of half the salary that they don't need to pay. Yeah, sounds like Denver's happy because they're freeing up the space. Uh and Washington is probably happy because they have someone that most NFL fans have heard of, at least. That will well, not only that, but he started two years in a row. Right. right? So yeah. you get that also. You get some veteran kind of uh, in place there. But um, I, I think it's a no-brainer from Washington. Like this, You had to do something behind Alex Smith. He's not going to be ready because that injury was, what, like week 12 or something like that? Some something significantly late, and that kind of an injury is not going to be healed in a year, if at all, if he even decides to come back at all. Right, so, um, anyway, moving on, Mike, moving on. We have bigger fish to fry here. Right. We have free agency opening up in about five days by the time this podcast is launched. So, hopefully by the time you've, you've heard this, it'll be a couple days until free agency, and we're here to give you some primers on it, give you some uh, definitions of some terms you're going to be hearing out there. So, um, hopefully this is helpful for, helpful for everyone. Yeah. Um, so, He's going to start it out here with kind of a, a primer of some of these uh, different definitions that you hear thrown around, and just kind of educate some people if you don't know. Um, so first off, one of the years, one of the things that that is tied to almost every one of these is the years of service or accrued seasons, Mike. So if you don't know what these are, um, pretty simple. If you're on the roster on the 53-man roster, I think it's for more than eight games, you get an accrued year of service, okay. regardless if you start, regardless if you're inactive every single game. That's full pay status, as they say. So you get a, a crude year of service. All right. 
If you're on the IR for six or more games, that's also an accrued year of service. Okay. Okay. Um, physically unable to perform from um, non-football injuries, like, for instance, when uh, a quarterback kicked his leg through a door and cut his leg on a door, that doesn't count. You don't get you don't get credit for that. Okay. Because you screwed yourself on that one. All right. Practice squad does not qualify. So if you're on a practice squad the entire year, that does not count as an accrued season. Um, and the commissioner's exempt list also does not qualify. Now, why these matter, Mike? Um, you've heard the term exclusive rights free agent. And this is a player with two or less accrued years. Now, these guys have like almost no negotiating rights. Basically sign them for vet minimum, which is 495k. So we already did this twice with uh, Matt Wiley, the punter, and um, CJ Ham. So these are typically guys, they get brought in, they get signed like a three-year contract, they get cut with the team, and they get brought into another team, and this is typically how you end up with these guys. Fairly rare, but there's a couple of them on each team, give or take. Okay. Uh, restricted free agents, you've heard this one a lot. Um, last year we had a couple tenders out there. I'm expecting the same this year. So this is a, a guy with three or less accrued seasons. And this is a restricted free agent, which means that the team, if they tender this player, they get first rights to match a contract that's that's uh, offered to that player. So say, for instance, we RFA tender, let's see, who we got? Oh, one of those. Rashad Hill, I think, is an RFA. So say we were to offer, or we were to restricted free agent tender Rashad Hill in a second round tender, Okay. If a team offers him $4 million a year for three years, we can either match that offer or we can say, no, you can keep him, and then they have to give us their second round pick because there's three tiers to this, first round, second round, and original round tenders. First round, you obviously get a first round pick in compensation. Second round, you get a second round pick in compensation. Original round, you get the original pick that they were at. So third, fourth, fifth, sixth round, if they're undrafted, you wouldn't get anything in return for that, but you'd get the first right to match that contract. And the round that you get back is is de- determined by the By the, the round that they, were, that they were drafted in. Okay, so, so not, not the dollar amount of that contract. Correct. So these dollar amounts that are in this contract that are in our show notes here, for instance, first round tender, um, that is a guaranteed contract worth $4.4 million. So if we were a first-round tender with Sean Hill, he would be getting a contract that's $4.4 million. That's what he's being paid that year. And if anyone wants to take him away from us, they offer him a contract that we are not going to match and they need to send their first-round pick to us. Okay. Same for the second round, same for the original round tender. So um, typically you see a lot of second-round tenders go around. That's what Nick Easton was on last year. That's what uh, Brett Jones was on that we traded for on the Giants. They were both on second-round tenders. Last year it was $2.9 million. Now it's three point one. Okay. So those, those are the tenders. Um, unrestricted free agents are those with four or more years of service. Um, so that's basically the, the basically the three levels of guys you're looking at. Now, are those compensation picks say that uh, we do get we do get a pick? Um, say we don't match in the hill example you gave, and we get mm-hmm. that pick back. Uh, that is going to be a, are those at the back end of those given rounds? Is that how that works? Because um, it's not the team's actual pick, is I, it? I think it is the team's actual pick. Oh, it, it okay. is the team's actual. So, for instance, if uh, Cardinals matched Rashad Hill's offer, we would get the the first pick in the second round. In the example we gave. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's it. I never knew that. I thought for yep. some, some others, like you know, the 
compensatory picks that happen no, almost like no it, it is them surrendering a pick that's why it's it's okay. some of these are, are basically you throw these on guy like for instance um we'll get into it later but anthony harris is a restricted free agent so it's unlikely that a team would be willing to give up a second round pick and sign him to a decent contract that we wouldn't match if we throw a second round tender at him so that's kind of the reason why this exists is it's like okay we're gonna pay you well well enough with one of these tenders but we're gonna make it so that if someone really wants you they better really want you because they they're gonna be sacrificing one of their picks yeah. to do it okay Makes so sense. that's why those exist um another term you're gonna hear thrown around which i think there's only three franchise tags thrown out it's franchise tag and transition tag now these have already been doled out for the year these can't be applied anymore um, but these are basically prices that are set based on last year's um, uh, average salaries for these positions. So the franchise tag is the greater of the top, f- the average of the top five in that position or 30% over your previous years. So you saw, I think it was Demarcus Lawrence for the Cowboys. He was franchise tagged and he's going to make like $20 million or something like that. Something ridiculous. That's because he was also franchise tag last year. So his is more than um, the 17.1 that the franchise tag is because he's getting an extra thir- uh, 20% on that. Now the transition tag is the average of the, I think it's the 5th through the 20th in that position group. 5th through the 20th or 5th through the 25th. Um, fuzzy on the details there, but it's it's a much lower number. So for instance, a uh, defensive end the franchise tag is 17.1 million. The transition tag is 14.3. So the transition the transition tag is also not exclusive. So I think someone else can can exceed that offer, and you can either sign them to that offer or not. Okay. That's kind of what those those two things are are meant for is to kind of bridge the gap. The reason why you don't see him use that often, you look at Le'Veon Bell last year. He was franchise tagged again last year, and he chose not to sign it. Um. That's not uncommon nowadays because that's basically saying we want you at a one-year rental. We don't, we don't expect you to be good. Because if you really want that player, you're going to be able to sign them long-term before you have to use a franchise tag. So in my world, franchise tagging a player is typically considered lazy because you weren't good enough to sign them in the first place. Sure. But that exists. Like I said, it's 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 fairly rarely used nowadays. Okay. Um, now, like CJ Ham, I think I noticed we signed him for like six forty, six hundred forty k. Um, and I noticed here the league minimum at four ninety five. Is that just us kind of saying, "Hey, we like what you've done here," giving him a little bit more than what Correct. we needed to? Okay. <clears throat> Correct. Yeah. So, like, the minimum you need to sign them for is that league minimum. Okay. But you can give them more. It's just they have no leverage in that situation. So they 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 either agree to that and they play for you. Or they don't, and used to hold their rights, so they can't play for anyone else. Okay. So it, it's, it's, it's basically it's they're still under contract, but they're not really. Sure. Okay. It, it's kind of how that that goes. It's it's one of the, it's one of the more indentured servitude statuses you can have. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so yeah. Um. There's also something you'll you hear called the top fifty-one rule. So in the off season. Um, the way they calculate the cap because rosters balloon to 90 players is only the top 51 count against your cap. All right. The reason why this is important is because this allows teams to make moves that they can't normally do um, 
under the uh, the in-season rules. Like in, in during the in-season rules, your top, your, all your 53 players on the roster, plus your practice squad, plus every, anyone you've put on IR counts against your cap space. But in the off-season, it's only the top 51 players' um, salaries. So it allows you to make these moves where you're not having to chunk out like three, four million for all this extra crap. Um, that's why you also see rookie contracts not get signed till late, late in the season or the off season, um, because you're still making free agency moves. You're still kind of shuffling pieces around, and and seeing what you kind of need to create to be able to make sure you have enough room for that. Yeah. Um, all right. One other thing that really is kind of irrelevant, but it kind of is like for Indianapolis. Um, the rolling cap floor, if you've ever heard of that, the, the cap spending floor. Um, basically, over a four-year period, which we're in the last two years of that, you need to spend 89% of your, your salary cap. Otherwise, you forfeit up to that amount to the Players Association, and it gets spread amongst all active players. I don't think it's ever been hit where like they've had to activate that, but it exists. It's there. It's typically not a problem because you always roll over cap and then you're always spending it, so it's it's typically never a problem. But some of these teams that have like sixty, seventy million in cap space right now, right. they need to start using that, and they will because they're not dumb. But they need to start using that, otherwise they're going to hit. They're not going to be able to hit this floor. Anyway, that's that's all the cap statuses. That's all the free agent statuses. Any questions on that, Mike? That you can think of off the uh, No, I think the one, I mean, I threw out a few there. Uh, I, don't, I don't have any others, so. Perfect. All right. Let's roll into the Vikings cap situation, shall we? Yeah. So, 2019 cap was set at $188.2 million. All right. Vikings rolled over $4.1 million. Now, we would have rolled over less, but Sharif Floyd, if you remember that, he had a grievance with the NFLPA over part of his salary for um, his fifth-year option. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, he withdrew that because he's also going to be suing, I think, uh, the NFL and a couple doctors and I think also the Vikings, technically. So he withdrew that compensation. I think we also settled with him on that contract. So he withdrew that um, grievance. So we no longer had to withhold that from our cap, which allowed us to roll over that $4.1 million, which puts our effective cap in 2019 at 192.3. Now, currently on the roster, on our 51, our top 51, with all of our um, future reserve contracts, we have 187 million in cap liabilities, which leaves us 5.3 million in cap space. That's the number you've seen everywhere. Yep. Okay. Now, that number is important to keep in mind, for one, but it's also not the full story. So to sign in our draft pool as it stands right now, over the top of the league minimum guys that are at the bottom that are being cut off by the top 51, we're going to need $3.4 million net for that. For the practice squad, we're going to need about $1.5 million. And on average, I've averaged it the last five years or so, we've had about $3 million on IR. Right? So all that combined means we're about negative $2.6 million on the cap as it sits right now. Okay. So if we need to make any moves, we need to make moves to increase cap space and then sign guys... Obviously, this only kicks in once the season Within, starts, yeah. but it's important to keep in mind where this is going to end up. Right. <clears throat> because we can only do so much. Like, we can't end free agency and the draft with yeah. zero cap space. It doesn't right. work like that. Right. Um, so that's, that's where we're at right now. Okay. Any questions on that? No. Good? 
Perfect. Good. Okay. Let's talk about the Vikings for agents, Mike, and who we think we want to bring back. So we already talked about the exclusive rights for agent two that we signed, Matt Wiley, punter, and CJ Ham fullback. I didn't see any reason why these guys wouldn't be brought back. Like I said, I think it's league minimum. I don't think they're guaranteed contracts. So it, there's really no risk of bringing these guys back under these contracts. Cedric Lang, O-line, and Josiah Price, O-line. Also exclusive, exclusive rights for agents. I'm not certain about these guys. These guys, I think, were lower-tier guys. I think they were on bouncing between practice squad, I think. So um, I don't know what you think about those guys at all. Probably nothing major. Yeah, I mean, I I think the big ones, you know, which I'm assuming you're going to get to next, mm-hmm. is really where... Well, not not entirely <laughs> next, but we're close. Right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so these guys, like I said, they're they're pretty much rookies or second-year guys that, you know, they haven't produced a lot, and if they have, you've probably already dealt with them right. before that. Um, restricted free agents, Rashad Hill, we talked about... Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we throw like an original round tender on this guy, um, just to just to keep it cost controlled. Two million here, you go. He's a backup guy. He's played tackle for us in the past, so we know he's capable there. So he could be a good swing backup there. So I wouldn't be surprised to see that. Um, Anthony Harris, I also would not be surprised to see us do like a second round tender on him. You you have Harris as so Harris is restricted. Yes. Okay. Now, there's, there was some conflicting information. I don't know if it's still conflicting, but he is a restricted free agent. Okay, I thought I saw <clears> somewhere <throat> that he was unrestricted. Right, on, on, I think on Track he says he's pegged as unrestricted, but he is a restricted free agent, so we will be able to tender him. Okay. Um, so I expect that coming, either that or they might sign him to like a two- or three-year deal that's very similar to the amount of that uh, tender, just to say, okay, we're just going to lock you down now. Here you go. Here's a little gift. Here's couple million dollar signing bonus you know thanks for what you've done up to this point Um, yeah i i personally i mean this is where i guess we'll start here i think harris would be a player i'd really like to see back um i I think that he's played very well when sandejo was down this year very well we've talked about him for a couple years now that we really liked harris coming in in spots and um i think it was either two years ago uh, or three years ago when he came in because everyone died on the team that year. Yep. Um, he actually played really well. Uh, so I think it'd be a great fit. I hope that um, I hope he's back. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, especially with, uh, uh, we'll get to it, one of the expected cuts of uh, Sendejo making yeah. five and a half this year. Completely no dead can't. money left in that. So um, you can you can easily pull some money out of that if you say bye-bye to Sendejo. And just tender. I mean, we'll get Harris. there, but I'm shocked. We've started to see this week, um, if you follow the NFL, we're starting to see some All of the these cuts All these safeties coming, coming free. Why? I mean, wh- I'm just I'm a little surprised why we haven't just you know, made that cut right now. Um, yeah, it's interesting to me. Um, <clears throat> it could be one of those things where they're just going to wait to feel it out because I don't think – I think Sandejo's contract is structured in a way where it doesn't matter when we cut him as okay. long as we cut him. So it could be one of those things where – we kind of want to see where pricing lands and some of the bigger safeties and kind of go from there. Because um, we've typically followed kind of a wait and see and some of the bigger guys and like, okay, what's the market going to set at? Maybe we're in on a couple guys like I think well, the two years ago we were in on Andrew Whitworth and all those guys, those bigger guys. But <clears throat> I think typically the MO for the Vikings has been kind of wait and see, see where the market sits on certain positions and then kind of attack from there. 
and don't get the top guy. Maybe you get <clears throat> the 90th percentile guy, you know? Right. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm on the same boat there. I, I don't know why we haven't just cut them, but there's there's got to be a reason for it. Um, so that, that's where I'm at. I think they're just kind of waiting and seeing how the market shapes. Um, but we'll roll right into the, the unrestricted free agents here. Okay. Number one on my list, Sheldon Richardson. What do you think about him? Uh, I just don't. I don't see a way. I I don't see a way, and and you know that I transitioned. If you listen to the show over the last year, incredibly excited over the first few weeks and the pressure we were generating, and then as the season went on, uh, you know we just it, it just wasn't there um, to a level that I want to pay him what I think he's going to ask for. So right. for me, I would love love to have him here um, if financially we could make it work, but I, I just don't think it's going to be close to what we would need him at. So I, I don't see him being in purple next year. And, you know, I, I get the same the same sense um, that it's – I think it's just going to be prohibitively expensive, like you said, to kind of keep him around. It's uh, I think he's going to command probably 10-plus based yeah. on what uh, interior defenders so do I. are going with. Um, now, if he wants to take seven or eight – in a long-term deal, and, and, you know, maybe it's backloaded, even if that's something he's willing to do. Maybe I think we could we could fit it in. But from what I saw last year, I, w- I had a lot higher hopes than what he actually gave to us. We saw glimpses of we, it. We saw but... glimpses, but, you know, one-year deal, you expect to see a bit more than that because he's wanting to try and get that long-term contract. Yeah, and I think, I think there's probably a team out there. Um, because, like you said, at the end of the day, some of these players of, of his caliber, teams are going to sign him. Like you, right. the teams have to spend money, right? Uh, so you, you, you look at you look at a team like Indianapolis, like right, they're going to be in on a lot of these moves because they just have such a high cap amount. Yeah, like for instance, Anthony Barr. If they if they walk up to Anthony Barr and said, "Hey, we need to spend some money. Here's fifteen million a year. Come play for us." Yeah, and we're going to front load it so the first year you get eighteen million of it. Yep. No, I I don't I just I don't see him back. Yeah, so that's that's where. But like I said, unless he's willing to, unless he really wants to be here and is willing to forego a lot more money to stay here, I don't see it happening. Um, so I think he gone. Yep. Um, Anthony Barr, I think the writing on the wall is he's gone as well. Yeah. I mean, you look at coming into last year, we we signed Kendrick still long term extension. Um, I would have figured at that point they were approaching Barr for similar, and yes. Yep, we signed Diggs to the long-term extension, too. Um, so, Hunter, too. Um, so, all those were happening, and you can't tell me that they weren't also talking to Barr at that same time. Um, so, my opinion is is that Barr wants a different role than what he's given here. And he knows he can get it for a higher price than the Vikings can pay. And he's absolutely right on that. And you want to know what? If he wants to go elsewhere and, and get paid... 13, 14, 15 million? Fine. I don't think that paying that much, paying 10 million over a replacement for Barr, is really gaining us that much. Right? I right. mean, you've seen glimpses of it, but he's also had some pretty poor games. Yeah. I I mean, Barr for me is, there's just no way. And uh, I don't. <laughs> Financially, it doesn't make sense. I think you, like, you nailed it. There's, there's better schemes. Yeah. And. I think that he is probably frustrated that it didn't happen last year. They weren't right. able to come to an agreement. 
and I just I think that the you're right the writing's on the wall and he's gonna be gone uh, how weird would it be to see him in uh, green and green and gold hey you shut your mouth Mike uh, but, no he's not going to freaking Green Bay but no I, I think yeah you're gonna you're gonna see a recurring theme here as we go through this and if you're listening you're like oh he's saying no to everyone and I am going to end up ultimately saying no to a lot of these players I think you're gonna have a pretty different looking team absolutely um, I mean if you look at the list of free agents as we go yeah. down this list it's there is a there's key players on defense that that are potentially walking out the door there's also a good number of names on offense and special teams that are walking out the door. Yeah. So you could you could see a whole different face it's gonna of be a this different team. Looking team. Yep. Um, and this is kind of the ebb and flow of what goes on here. And I mentioned this like right after we signed Kirk Cousins, like something's got to give at this point. Like if we didn't sign Kirk Cousins to twenty eight million, if we signed a quarterback to an eighteen million dollar deal, maybe this this doesn't happen where we're able to retain Bar. We're able to retain Richardson. But this is the world we live in where we had to make that choice. And to be honest, in the context, that's probably the best decision that we could have made. I mean, you don't know what Teddy's knee's like. You don't know. Well, we now know what, what Case Keenum is. So, I mean, the options really weren't that great for that situation. But this is a situation we're in. So we can complain about it all day, but it does that, it does us, that does us no good. No. So, <clears throat> going forward down this list. Now... Seahawks fans are apparently a bit uh, salty on this one. Tom Johnson, he's a free agent now. Um, they're salty because they, they decided, oh, yeah, we'll just cut you because, you know, we won't, we'll sign you back, quote, air quotes, but we're going to cut you because we need to have, like, a ninth safety on the roster or some, something from last year. I, I remember I, I got blocked by this, this gay yeah. person on Twitter because of this, like, dude, no, he didn't screw the Seahawks. You cut him. And the Vikings picked him up because they wanted right. him. Okay, so he's a free agent. I wouldn't be surprised if he's back on the roster, because I think he's a very flexible interior defender. Um, I don't know if you thought there on Tom Johnson. I think Johnson will be back. Um, I believe I saw the last couple of days that uh, the Johnson came out with a quote and just said the Vikings have interest in bringing him back on a one-year deal. He's interested in a one-year deal. He's not looking for multi-year. Um, a guy that clearly loves to be here, loves right. playing here. So I think they're going to be able to come together and make something work that's team-friendly and good enough for him on a one-year deal. So I would expect him to be back. Yeah, I'd probably guess like maybe one to three million somewhere in there. Um, probably closer to the higher end of that. Um, but obviously he's looking to, to kind of do a prove-it for himself and then go out and either get the bigger contract here yeah. or somewhere else. Yeah. So great situation for the Vikings, I think. It would be a good bridge for some of the younger guys we have at D-Tackle that are coming up. Um, Georgia Loca. This one is interesting to me because it's like we didn't really use him last year, so I don't expect him to be back at all. Well, and it was confusing. We kept we talked about it on a week in week out basis, and I, we know Harris was playing well, but it's just a little surprising that right. a guy of his caliber, at least seemingly his caliber, didn't get in on the field. Uh, he handled it very professionally, uh, but at the end of the year, I remember his exit interview was like, "Yeah, I'm frustrated. I thought I was going to play a lot more. I wanted to contribute more than I did to this team." And so I, I don't think that he will be back right. just because... Now, I'm sure there is a world where we don't bring Harris back. We cut uh, Deho and maybe you, you do work go that route. Yeah. But I just think he's probably going to be a little gun-shy for right. the fact that he didn't play when he thought he was going which, to. Which is warranted. And, you know, maybe maybe the part of that is is we had such a log jam at DBs like last year where, you know, you had... Um, 
Hughes come in and he was lights out, and then Mac Alexander came back and came up came up with a roar, and you saw him, you saw Holton Hill come in. So maybe they were envisioning uh, George Iloka or Anthony Harris to fill kind of that money backer role that those guys were were excelling at, and it just never materialized because these guys have scheme knowledge that he's trying to that Iloka's trying to compete against, and they all of a sudden started to play very well. Yep. So. He, yeah, it's it, kind of an awkward situation. Like you said, I think we all expected him to play a bit more once we signed once he signed here, but um, not expecting him back. No, nope. if he is, you know, I'd be fine with that. You know, he's he's still a good safety. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. But I'm one walk. He'll be fine. He'll feel fine at the team. Um, Trevor Simeon, quarterback. Uh I I don't I don't know. I mean I. I... You got, I, you got Kyle Slaughter, man. And, and I think that they're they're really through the process with with Slaughter, right? They they went through and it was he was Denver, right? Practice yep, squad, Denver, and yep. we offered him the money and brought him in. And there was apparently other teams that really wanted him. And we no, from, okay, no, 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 that's Slaughter. Simeon, we traded Denver to tra- trade at the Denver. right. Yeah, sorry, I was on. I'm on Slaughter still. Okay, so you're that's still on Slaughter. Yeah. Okay, okay. So I think that. The Vikings like him. I think he's going to be here for sure. So that brings us to Semyon. You're right. paying $84 million, uh, to Cousins. You have another guy you believe in. This is a team that's really, really needs to trim the fat everywhere. Right, to try to make up some of so, that. So to me, this seems like an obvious spot to try to save a million, a couple million dollars. Right, maybe, someone, maybe you draft a quarterback later. Yeah, you do like an undrafted free agent quarterback. Uh, you practice squat it. You do. Some, I mean, you can roster me for four hundred k. You know, four ninety five. See, see uh, for me, like I'm, I've been advocating for a while. Just roster two quarterbacks. Just roster two, because it gives you so much flexibility elsewhere. Yeah. Because there's only a handful of teams that only roster two. I don't, I don't get why that there's not more. With me, how durable Kirk Cousins has been in his career, roster two, you'll be fine with that. Maybe they will. Maybe they will explore that. But I, I think that I, I don't see Semyon being here. Uh, I, I think I agree. I think he can command more than uh, what we can pay him reasonably within the context of our cap situation. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm sure he's a great backup. I think he was sought after. That's why we traded for him with with what we did. But uh, he gone. Okay. Latavius Murray, running back. Man, this one this one hurts because I I want him to be here. I I love him. I, know I think I, he's such a good change of pace. From culture Kirk. guy. Yeah. He's he, and also I he we used him. You know, last year throughout he he was still involved even when Dalvin got going. Yeah, and, and he I, was he was pretty effective at times. Yeah, and I know he came out and said he he's not interested in being a, a second back. He wants to start. I get that. I know he's got to say that. Uh, if that is truly the case. Then there's not a spot for yeah. him here. There's not, there's not an amount we could pay him if, if that's the case. Right, but if he's interested in trying to win and continue on and just accepting that he's still going to be involved in what should be a very good offense, right? Uh, then I think if you can come to terms on the right number, I would love to have him back. Right, but on the other side of this coin, you look at all these guys that are that are young draft picks or whatever. You know, you look at uh, in Pittsburgh, James Conner coming in. Yeah. And just lighten it up, like yeah, running back. He was like a mid mid round draft pick. Running back's so the spot. At, at what spot do you say okay? Let's stop spending money on this yeah, spot because no. every draft pick that's coming out seems to just be like 
if if you got the right scheme for them, if you got the right old line for them, they're just fine. Well, so at what point do you, do you stop stop the bleeding on the cap and just say, all right, we're just going to draft a guy? Well, and you look last year, we saw some flashes from Mike Boone and Rock Thomas. Uh, Rock Thomas, uh, well, see yeah. Rock Thomas. See you later, out. bud. But, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe now maybe this is a great opportunity for them to mutually part ways with Latavius and say, you know, Rock Thomas, you're in jail. Uh, Mike, Mike Boone, Boone, what's up? What are you doing? You know, we we really liked it. Work on some things with him and have him come in and give him an opportunity. You've got CJ Ham there, right? Uh, you know, maybe that's the way they go. But again, for a team that's trying to trim and save everywhere they can, right? It's, it's one of those things where you, you, you maybe you go with Mike Boone on a cost controlled contract, and now okay, you have your second round pick, Dalvin Cook, right? And he's your premier back. He's still making like two something million. Everyone else is making minimum behind him. Maybe that's good enough. I mean, yeah. at some point you got to get lean somewhere, like yep. you said. No, got Latavius is gone. Yep, Amir um, Abdullah. We traded. For, I think no, we didn't trade for him late. He was a cut late, and we picked him up. Uh, yeah, we picked him on late. The season. Wire. I don't that there's no, I not expecting see that he no. didn't see, didn't see much, but uh, just just on my list here. So, um, Aldrick Robinson, wide receiver. Uh, really, really, I really, I wouldn't be surprised if he's back. Yeah, really liked him. I think that you could see the chemistry with him and Cousins. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. So, Maybe a good fourth, fifth wide receiver option. You have a lot of people clamoring for the Vikings to bring in a, a true, really high-end third-down receiver. Right. Um, you know, obviously the treadmill hate is out there, not necessarily for me, but a lot of people out there really just don't want to see him on the squad anymore. Uh, I think both uh, both sides need a fresh start in that. Right. Uh, so, you know, I don't know. But I, I think Robinson, if, if, again, we can agree to a deal that works, I would love him back because the chemistry is there. He had what? He must have had... Four touchdowns last year, something like I that. I think it might be even higher than that, yeah. but yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, completely agree. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we throw him a million or two um, next year. Maybe on a two year deal worth like four, somewhere in there. Yeah. So, uh, wouldn't be surprised. I think I think that'd be a smart move. Obviously, yeah. like you said, there's chemistry with Cousins. That's that's something you got to take into, into account here. Yep. Um, some familiarity there. Um, it all helps. Year two in the system is, is always also a, a big bonus. Um, but, yeah, so we'll move on to some of our O-line here now. Um, Tom Compton. Uh, now, to preface this, Tom Compton, left guard. Everyone was, like, piling on to this guy. The, the problem was, he was, like, our top-rated guy. Our pro football-focused top-rated offensive lineman. And he was never meant to start, all right? So if he's brought back on a, a small deal to be as a backup, I'm completely fine with that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know where you're at with that, but, I mean, it's... He was never meant to start, and he did pretty damn well starting for the majority of the year. I, I just think that that line was in such limbo throughout the season, like, mm-hmm. and and obviously it felt a lot we, like sixteen. We've talked on Sperano's passing, and uh, we've talked on the change of coordinators, and just how much of a mess the offense was at times last year. Now that you've got a little bit more structure. I could sit here and tell you, yeah, well, oh, I like him. I thought overall, whatever, you know, just like you just did right there. Ultimately, I'm just going to put faith in the coaching staff that we've put right. in place and the schemes that we're going. If, and if, if they want them, if they like what they saw, we'll if they think Compton's a good fit, great. If not, let's move on. Let's get some new bodies in. I, I think that's a good point to make here because, it, for all intents and purposes, um, the scheme, the offensive scheme, is kind of changing. I think the running scheme is 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 more aligned with the players that we have kind of what they excel at so um i'm right there with you on that it's you brought in kubiak and all his his cronies you know rick dennison and all those guys 
for the specific reason, right? To say, okay, we need help here. We need to have a cohesive uh, plan with run blocking, pass blocking, all that crap. So get us a guy in here that can evaluate our guys and tell us who we want to keep. So I'm right there with you. I think it ultimately comes down to what the coach wants. I mean, I, I can talk to the end of the earth that he was one of our top-graded PFF uh, linemen, but apparently people saw different in game day. I, I don't know what they were looking at, but regardless. Moving on to another O-line, Nick Easton. Neck, neck injury last year. Yeah. He's apparently been cleared, but... I always liked Easton. Neck, I, I just like the... injuries I like, are tough. I know, and, and you've, you've told me that, and I believe you. I just always liked Easton. I like the story. I like the, you know... Um, I enjoyed him as a player. So yeah, I think he, I think he's a he's, he's a very adequate left guard, and I think he could be even better than that with proper coaching. But God, neck injuries scare the crap yeah, out of me. But again, I think at this point, you know, you got to trust uh, Sugarman. You got to trust the medical staff, and then you again just go to the trust coach. the coaching. Yeah, yeah. yeah, if they see a fit for him, then let's go. If not, then okay. My, my gut is that you're going to see a lot of these guys gone, and I think they're going to get more of a clean slate here. Um, because, every, I mean, the entire state of Minnesota, I mean, we could, who, you could go talk to anyone, whether they're Vikings, huge Vikings fan or not, and ask, like, well, what are the problems with the Vikings? Offensive line is going to come yeah. out of it, you know? So I, I think that they just, there's a, almost like a bit of a PR move or a PR sure. play here, and it's got to be weighing on their minds. And you know what? If they can get and just get some new faces in here, right. I think that people are at least going to back off a little bit and let them hopefully succeed next year. No, an interesting thing that was brought up, I think, a couple times on Twitter, and we'll probably get into this more when the draft comes to, but um, a thought was either bringing in a free agent center or drafting a center and shifting Elfline to a guard spot. Yeah, I've heard, uh, I've heard that. No, that, that's an interesting concept to me. Now, I don't necessarily hate it. I don't know what Elfline is going to do at guard, but if you can get a lockdown center, you can get one of the, like, for instance, I think Bradbury is one of the centers they're talking about in uh, the draft. If you can get one of those guys that's like even better at center than Elfline has been, and I think he's been pretty damn good the last couple of years. Now, he lacks some strength this year because he hit pretty much had zero offseason to condition his shoulder after he uh, had surgery on that. But um, if you if you put that place in center, and now you also solve one of your guard spots by shifting Elfline there, now you're looking a lot a lot better in my terms because I think the tackles are, are solidified right now with O'Neal and Reeve. You need to solve that interior. That that helps the puzzle a lot. So I like that a lot. I don't know who's out there that we can target for center. I know there's uh, that uh, that guy from Denver. I forget the guy's name. Regardless, um, interesting things. It's going to be very interesting to watch how they rebuild this line and try to get value out of some of these lower priced guys because that's kind of what we're stuck with right now yeah um next one brett jones who we who we uh called in to replace kind of uh elfline while he was still out again same i'm just gonna go down the same thing now jones correct me if i'm wrong has a little bit of versatility right he played a little bit of center with the giants a little bit of guard a little bit of guard mm-hmm. so i don't again it's gonna be all coaching staff what do they envision going forward how is this offense gonna work right. what do you need out of those players um, obviously, a veteran guy. I think, you know, there, there's. I do think there's a lot of value in, in that veteran, that leadership that um, that they can bring in. But see, the the issue with me and Jones is, we brought him in and he played center for I think three or four games to Elfline got back. Yeah. Right. He never saw the field after that, until there was like in-game injuries. That's a problem to me because if you can't crack that roster on what we had last year, you're probably not great. Yeah. So. 
I understand. Like you said, the point of flexibility, that's great, but I don't think he gets signed to anything like greater than a million if he's anything. Okay. And he's a swing interior backup. But I think you get more value, like I said, just taking that money, getting yourself a solid center, and now you have Elfline as a guard, and now he has center flexibility if you need that. Okay. That's kind of what I'm thinking with that. Yep. Um, all right. Two big ones here, Mike. Two big ones. All right. Dan Bailey. Oh, I was waiting for this one. Kicker Watch you, 2019, kicker watch. You know me. I'm big on the kickers. Here's, kicker Watch 2019. Here's where I'm at. I would be 100% okay if it came out right now that Bailey had been signed to a one-year deal for this year. For how much? Uh, do I want to make him the top-paid kicker in the NFL? No. But I think that he can be paid above the middle, above the, above the median. What's the um, number? I think he could be paid as a top-seven kicker in the league, whatever that puts it at. Okay, well, <laughs> what do you think that's at? I don't know what that number is. Was it like two point? Seven, maybe something like that. Top seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Ah, uh, no, the top seven kick would be four million. Okay. Like, oh, my my. Are, are you still okay with sending him for four million? Based what's on top ten? What did he do what's last top year? Top ten. Okay, top ten. Top ten is three million seven hundred eighty-five thousand, Mike. All right, so we're looking at we're probably looking at having to sign him to top half. I think you're above three million. Okay. So, uh, am I okay giving him three five? Yes. But okay, my realistic, I think I had them slotted for around three five as a cap hit this year. No, I have it as two five. It's incredibly low. But if you're going to structure a deal, you're probably going to structure his that way, where it's low up front. Okay. And then if he does well, then he's got like zero guaranteed in the last years, but it's like five and a half, six and a half. I, I have, I have got the faith. I still. I, I was fine with Kai coming in last year, and then we ended up not going that route, which we should have argued. Never with. draft <laughs> specialists. Can argue that that ever playoffs, but uh, otherwise, what I want to do is back the Brinks truck up to Goskowski, and let's give him seven five. Jesus, Mike, <laughs> for kickers? Yeah, I'm the, then we don't have to worry no, about it. No, let's Mike, just bring Mike, him in. Mike, no, no, no. Here's here's the situation. <laughs> We're not rostering a kicker, okay? Our punter's going to hand handle kickoff duties. We are not kicking a we damn field goal. We are not kicking an extra point. If it's fourth and 40 and you're at the 40, you're either punting it or you're going for it, okay? It's a bold strategy. Okay? And you're going for two every time. AAF the shit out of this, I man. I don't think this is no yes. bad idea. The two-point conversion thing, that's you're statistically that's better fine. off going for that's two points. That's fine. But what about when we need, like, I don't know, a 35-yarder to win a game? Go for it. <laughs> okay. You, know, right. you got Kirk Cousins. You're paying him so twenty eight million. Let's just, let's make him make him make his money. In summary, I think for me, I if Bailey wants to be here, uh, I would I'd prefer Bailey. Otherwise, give me some sort of veteran, maybe like Kai. Uh, not sure if he's on a squad right now. My dream world though is we just we just pay Goskowski. Just. Just give him the money. Write the check. Ask him what it'll take, and you just write the check. Just to lock down the kicking? Yeah. Now that Prefer is gone, it's not ruining kickers anymore? I just That's what I want. Okay. You know, I don't absolutely hate it, but it takes away from somewhere else. So you, you got to give up somewhere else. You know else. what? It's one less thing for me to worry about. Yes, okay, but let me pose this for you here. What if signing him in that $7.5 million, 
means that your old line is still downgraded. No, so so oh, now I'm, I'm so, now, so now I'll, so now you get no, I'll cut Everson. I'm cutting Everson to pay wow, for okay. Gaskowski. All right, okay. There it is. You hate Everson. That's my straight switch. You hate Everson. Okay, I got it. Cutting Everson to pay for Gaskowski. Yeah. Why don't you just trade him for uh, uh, what's his name? Daniel Carlson. <laughs> <laughs> I think Blair's still out there somewhere. We're not going to talk about the Blair Witch Project, okay? Okay. Because we're not doing that. Um, all right, so... Well, what, we better get your thought on this. What do you think for Bailey? This is where it started. Like I said, I, I want it to be a backloaded deal. You know, either that or, you know, do something with some kind of incentives. Like, if you hit 80% of your kicks, we'll bump you up next year $2 million or something like that. Because I was not impressed last year with his accuracy. I, I just wasn't. He, like, historically, he's been great. I don't know if that's just a prefer thing and trying to make him change how he kicks. I was not impressed last year, and I don't think he's worth the four and a half million that he's probably going to command in free agency. I think he'd be better off, honestly, saving that money, putting it elsewhere, and getting an undrafted free agent kicker or some veteran that's on the street. Sure, okay. That's where I'm at with it. I just yeah. I wasn't impressed no, enough fine. to require the money. I'm not. Now, I'm not opposed to doing the Gaskowski thing. Seven and a half, I think, is a bit excessive <laughs> because I think that's. Uh, that would make him far and away the highest paid kicker. <laughs> and Robbie Gold is on a franchise tag this year. A kicker got franchise tag. <laughs> a kicker. Is that, I mean, if the Vikings would have franchise Bailey, where would your mind be right now? Would you just... I would, oh God, don't even, I don't even want to go there, man. I can't handle that right now. Oh, man. I can't handle that. Um, but anyway, yeah, so that's where I'm at with that. I just, I wasn't impressed. Um, if he comes back for a low deal... Sure, let's go. Let's make another go of it. Maybe another one year, two and a half million. We'll see what you got. Okay. Last guy, Mike. One guy we talk about getting cut every year. You know what I'm talking about? Sheryls? Marcus Sheryls. Yeah. Punt returner. I'm not going to call him a cornerback because he's not a damn cornerback. He may be on that on the on the roster, but he's not a cornerback. Right. If Marcus Sheryls is playing cornerback with the Vikings, a lot of shit has gone wrong. Right. Um, what do you think? I think Cheryl should probably be gone. Uh, I thought it's that time. last year. Uh, I thought that, the last like yeah. three years. But. So yeah, if it's up to me, he's gone again. Another spot to save, and you know, put someone else back there. That get a rookie back there, or get uh, who who was gonna do it? It was was that Holton Hill. Uh, I think Holton Hill was was doing it for a little bit there. No, wasn't it? Um, we got uh, Mike Hughes. Yeah, I think they both have have uh, kick return jobs. Okay. So yeah, um, we I think I think we got options there more or less. Yeah. Now, consistency wise, I don't think you're going to get better than Cheryl's. But like you said, we we got to trim fat where we can. And I don't think that having Cheryl's on for two and a half million is significantly uh, is worth two million more than a, than a rookie on a contract. That's where I'm at with that. And obviously you agree. I do. So, that's all our free agents. Let's talk about a couple moves that we think are going to happen. Sandejo, we think is going to get cut. Remmers, I would be surprised if he didn't get cut or at a minimum restructured way down from what he's at, but probably cut. Um, so, I see those as almost 100% locks. Rock Thomas, that's going to save 570. Well, it's going to save 570, but then we got to replace <laughs> it with 570. Yeah, so... Um, so those two cuts, I think, are, are 100% on the table. Um, possible cuts and trades. Um, Rudolph, Griffin, Rhodes, and Waynes. Okay. Now, 
I've been battered to hell on Twitter for suggesting that we're going to trade a cornerback, but I think it makes a hell of a lot of sense. I'm, you're starting to see people come around to it now. Well, because it makes it makes sense in, in twofold, right? So my my take has always been, we've historically been very adept at developing DBs, right? That's Zimmer's specialty. That's Jerry Gray's specialty. The defensive coaching staff has been in place intact for the last four years. Like, zero changes. So if you're really good at developing DBs, rely on that, all right? Rely on that strength and get assets to get better at a spot you can't really develop well, like the O-line. Like, if you just say, oh, okay, we're going to trade Waynes for top five interior guard or center, straight up, I'm down right now. I don't care. Like, I love Waynes, or I love Waynes, I love Rhodes, I love them both. If you were to give me either one of those options, I'd be like, yep, let's go. Right. You give me a first or second round pick for either one of those guys, I'd be like, yep, let's go. Let me get a strength back for one of our strengths that we can continually develop. That's where I'm at with that. I think Rudolph and Griffin, it's, it's really going to depend on what we can get for them if we think it's worth it to make that trade. I think Rudolph is a high candidate to be cut. $7 million, I don't think we can restructure him down and extend him down less than that this year. That's going to make a difference. And I think he can get more elsewhere. I just don't see him on the roster next year at $7 million. <sighs> I keep going back and forth. I just I know I shouldn't factor it in, but he's, he's such a presence in the community. He's such a, a team guy that I'm well, letting that play into the fact that, yes, if I was looking at this as just as a football team, I think it's a no-brainer. You you cut ties. You say this is a great spot to save some money. Right. And Rudolph had a pretty good year last year. I think one of his better years. But you know, we're still. This isn't like Jimmy Graham in his prime in New Orleans. This isn't like this isn't a key cog. I don't think to make this team right go. It, it's not something like like I've been harping on this entire whole episode is. It's not something where I think the value of. Six million plus over a draft pick is worth it, right? For what you're going to gain, possibly. Yeah. And for all intents and purposes, you could draft a guy that's that even fits better for what we're looking for. Well, there's a lot of I've seen a lot of mocks that have us taking a tight end in that eighteen at eighteen, either eighteen uh, or or uh, at uh, fifty. Yeah, I've seen both. Like it's there's a couple really nice tight ends out there. So um, I don't know. It's it's one of those things where. I could kind of see it going either way, but I don't think you're going to be able to get the cap it down enough this year that's going to make a dent. So I don't I don't understand why you would possibly do that instead of just ripping off the Band-Aid. Yeah. And I understand the community aspect of it, and that's that's also the same reservation I have with Griffin. Is He's such a lovable guy. Like, you don't just want to cut ties with him. Um, but it's... I don't know. It's, it's tough, like you said, because the off-the-field stuff... It's so great for the community, so great for Minnesota. But I think the business decisions have got to got to dictate here. Uh, for me, Griffin, I think Griffin's a no-brainer. I don't see how you bring back. Not uh, at ten and a half. No, I mean, it, you know, you you have a ten point five cap savings right now, uh, I believe, on at least the site that I'm on um, from a cut, and I just it's I, th- I think that's a huge that's a huge number. A huge number. Right, okay. That's that's why I say he's one of the prime trade candidates. All right. So he's still a really good defensive end. All right. The only problem is the off-the-field stuff. I don't know if that's taken care of. I don't know if that's right. That's what it is. 
that's going to be a risk for anyone trying to trade for him. That's the only potential issue with trying to trade him. However, I also feel like you could approach him with probably a fairly significant um, pay cut, and he'd probably go for it because he loves being here too. So that's where I'm like, well, okay, where do the Vikings value what we're getting out of him, right? Is he still worth being on the roster if he's only making seven? Is he still worth being on the roster if he's making six? Where where does that number sit where the Vikings are like, okay, we get enough value out of that six that we want to keep you here. So yeah. if you can take six, we'll keep you here. You'll, you'll be fine. But if you can't, then we just got to let you go. That's that's where I just I don't know where that conversation is at, but I get the feeling that he'd want to stay here if he could. But on the other side of it, if the Vikings have faith in who we have behind Griffin, and we can maybe get a third, fourth round pick somewhere in there back for him from a trade partner like Oakland, for instance, who apparently needs edge rushers. Um, I don't know. I think we could see him trade it too. Yeah, I I mean that's it's I don't see him back at that number. I'll, I'll put it that way. Yeah, I would make a guarantee that's rock solid. I don't think he'll be playing for ten ten point seven million for the Vikings next no. year. No. Ten point seven million for someone else, maybe, but just yeah, I just don't see it. All right, now possible restructure candidates. Um, the problem with restructuring all these contracts to shift money into into future years is that continually gets harder to do. Yeah, Kirk Cousins that's already on a, a prorated deal where it's 28, 29, uh, see, 28, 29, and 31. So that's only going to accelerate. It's soon enough, you end up overpacing what the cap can get you. Right. So there's only so many restructures you can do. But there are a couple that make some sense. Uh, Rhodes, for instance, makes sense. He's got, I think, three or four years left on his deal. Linval makes sense. Um, Harrison also makes sense. He's got three years left on his deal, so he could restructure a little bit, get some more guaranteed up front. Um, Reef, I've talked about this before. I don't think you can pull a lot out of Reef, but I think he could probably restructure it a little bit to make um, a lot more of his 2019 guaranteed and cut some of the guarantees off of the, the, the later parts of that deal. Uh, Griffin, we just talked about. Another great candidate for restructure. He's got $1.2 million dead. All right. That's that's a lot of cap savings, and if he wants to convert some of that guaranteed, like say for instance we say okay, we'll give you five million guaranteed, up to six and a half. All right, the one and a half is roster bonuses. You can pick up some cheap cash like that. Right. I. I don't know. It's. <laughs> what what about what about Thielen? You know what about. What about the fact that he's – and I know your stance on if they sign the contract, they sign the contract, yep. but, uh, you know, you hear things that they're looking – his agent, and, and he says he's leaving it to the agent, but clearly he's performing as one of the best receivers in the NFL. Absolutely. And, but, you know, where I guess what is your thought on – I mean, I know where your stance is, but what is your thought on what the Vikings are actually going to do in that situation here? All right. Well, here's the thing. All right, he's getting paid 8.1 million next year. That's still significant. All right, that's not top of the, the the food chain money. But when he signed that contract, when he made that contract, they put escorters in place in case this kind of stuff happened. All right. Now I understand the concept of keeping him happy, taking care of him early. He's got like I think 
Two more years left on his deal. His he's a UFA in 2021. I don't see the reason why we need to touch that this year. Because he is he's got those escalators built in. Now, like I said, I understand pay the guys because he's performed very well for us. But I can't justify that when there were when we are in this tight of a cap situation. It's just impossible to justify that. When he's under contract for two more years, you know he's he's continuing to, to play on that contract. I, I just can't justify that. Right. I, I I was just trying to get where, you know, you you dive into this cap stuff so much and you know, it just it's all there's so many moving pieces and Yeah. Every dollar matters, you know, and, and when you're trying to build a championship team, which the Vikings still I think you and I firmly believe are in that window, uh, you know, how I want, I, I would love to be a fly on the wall in the rooms when they try to have those conversations and leverage the, listen, we understand you're worth this, but we're trying to win a championship, and if we give you this, you understand that that means this can't happen. Right. Um, and talk through some of those things, and, you know, it's just, it, it's really an interesting piece of the business. Yeah. Um, like I said, some of those conversations are just... I can't even imagine how some of those go down. Like like the B-Rob conversations when you would t- constantly take pay cuts. Like, How does that got to feel if you're B-Rob? Like, oh, wait, I'm taking a pay cut so this guy can get paid like ridiculous amounts of money? Right. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's interesting because we go back to what you said about, you know, great in the community and there's all this emotion tied to it. But at some point, you got to take that out of it. Right at some point, it's it's just got to be business and be like, okay, well, do I want a ring or do I want money? And if that comes down to Adam Thielen in two years, if if we haven't taken care of him this year, but we want to try next year, and he says, nope, I'm just going to play it out, then it comes down to money for him. Then hey, that's what it is. It's I think it's it, it's the risk you have to take, and you have to say, okay, maybe you sit him down and say, all right, listen, we can't do anything this year for you. Next year, if you continue to this level, we'll talk about it. And we'll do something and we'll take care of you. We can't do it this year, though. Right. If you want a shot, if you want a chance, just give us this, this room. And you want to know what? I'd be sitting down with Kirk Cousins as well and having the same conversation. I'd be like, hey, listen. Do you like it and hit every other play? No? All right. Give us $4 million of your contract to work with here, bud. We need some O-line help. Right. Because you can't tell me that there's any reason why he needs to make $28 million a year. I, yeah, I mean, I, again, it's all relative to, you know, you're you're seeing however many quarterbacks now are making that kind of money, and and you know Tom Brady, right? No, I, I get where you're coming from, and I, I it's just that's something that how do you approach it with the players? How do you manage it as a team? You know, that's that's where probably why those guys get paid a lot of money to do that, and. And I think, like you said, whether it be Rudolph, Griffin, Thielen, um, not saying Thielen's obviously going to get, you know, we're not for the restructure or whatever else, but, you know, you start to look at some of these guys. Rhodes could be cut, or um, uh, Wayne's could be cut right now. We don't lose any money on that deal. Not that that's going to happen because he's too valuable. He's too young, you know. Right. But you start to look at all these things and where their trade value is. Where can we save Nine and ten million dollars. What can they do with that to shore up that offensive line? What right. will that weakness will that create? What about these younger players that we saw glimpses last year? And at some point, you just have to move your chips in where you think 
you know, where you think you're good, and then the season's going to start. Right. And and it's that's really what we're trying to figure out is where are we going to get a, where are we going to take some chance and where are we going to solidify. Right. And you know that's and this, and this is my advocation. Like I understand that cornerbacks are one of the highest value positions that there are. Yeah. I get it. I truly do. But if the Vikings are good at developing cornerbacks, why aren't we just staying cheap and rookies on cornerbacks? Yeah, you might lose some production out of that. You might be giving up more yards than you want. But what that does is it allows you to mask a weakness with money. Right now, we like the past almost decade, it seems, we have done the opposite. We've spent money on the defense, spent money on the defense, spent money on the defense. What do we have at on the offensive line until we signed Reef and Remmers? What have we done there to spend money there? Almost nothing. We've relied on free agents that are, are coming in for cheap or one high-end draft pick, one drafted at number four pick. Like, at some point, you, you got to flip the script here and say, okay, we tried this crap of just throwing low-level picks and low-level um, free agents at the offensive line. It done work. Yeah. We can't we can't develop that. At what right. point do you just say well, enough is enough? Yeah. And you just you rip the bandaid off and you say, Okay, well, Zimmer, you're gonna have one less prime D B to work with. Figure it out. Yep. Your defensive guru figured out. You know? No, I got you. So yeah, I don't know. It's it I'm really excited to see how this breaks down here in the next week because there's a lot, a lot of very interesting pieces at play. And I could easily see some really funky moves that come out of left field from the Vikings. Well, we'll be here for them. We will. Uh, anything else on the cap, Mike, for agents that you want to mention here before we wrap her up for the day? No, I don't think so. I think we're still in that, like you said, free agency starting up here in, in uh, a few days. And I think let's see where the cuts are made and some of the stuff's going to start to come out. And... You know, in the next couple months, we're really going to start forming the team and seeing these decisions made, and I can't wait to break them down as we do, you know, as as they happen. So Yeah. Yeah. Exciting year, man. Exciting year. Yeah. Got to have faith still, somehow. All right, well, that'll wrap it up here for the Scolders Podcast, part of the Climbing the Pocket Network. Um, check out their website, climbingpocket.com, scolders.com. I'm on Twitter at Namok7. Uh, Muskie underscore Mike. Come chat us. We'll, we'll pretty much answer anything you ask me as long as you don't uh, call me a, a douchebag or anything like that. But uh, anyway, until next time, Mike. Skull likes. Skull. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.